Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast, and today's topic is story mapping. My name is Chaba. I'm Kino. I'm Cheesy. I'm Zurar. When you guys hear the term story mapping, what comes to your mind for the first time? I think of an exercise which has the potential to be a giant waste of time, which will give everybody a false sense of direction for a brief moment. Mostly that moment lasts however long that initial meeting is. And then we disperse into whatever we do for the rest of the day. And nobody really remembers what story mapping did. That story mapping, uh, usually a picture is taken of the board. And if you have maybe a BA on the team, they will document that story map into a PowerPoint file. It'll get thrown around the block, passed around, and that will be passed on as we are done our agile requirements. Let's start developing. So I happen to have led a story mapping exercise today, and it didn't sound like that at all, Sarara. So I, I'm I'm glad that um, that we can talk about some uh, some different views on this particular topic. So for me, a story map uh, and the the exercise around it, of course, the conversation is really the most important piece. But the the story map in itself, to me, is a vehicle to uh, help broker a conversation between product and, and delivery. Um, one of the things that I find that uh, delivery can get out of it, and when I say delivery is everyone involved in, in uh, hands-on keyboard and, and coding and making sure that the, uh, the right screens or may, maybe if there's no screens involved, but anyways, everyone who's involved in implementing the, the functionality, that they understand the context in which they're uh, developing this functionality. If you can do this without a story map, that's even better, of course, right? You don't need it. But for teams who um, have a lack of context and who uh, feel like they're working on stories that do not necessarily make sense or re um, implement a, a customer functionality, that it helps to create that context. And that that's ultimately the... The, the feedback that I've received during the sessions that I ran today as well is that the developers walked away with an understanding of why they're doing some of those stories and why they are prioritized over others. So for me, I, I think of story mapping as a tool that is used by teams to take a product idea, to try to break it down into uh, large buckets of behavior, ultimately trying to break it down into this notion of user story, uh, individual user stories. Uh, you could take that further and start to try to define releases out of it. You know, we all know the whole drag the string across, pull everything down. That's not part of the uh, first release, second release, third release. So in that context, which is it, 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 it there, there is a lot of value in it. That context, by the way, is not continuous delivery. That that context is more of a, you know, we've got a very long six month, one year, two year, whatever, big project. We're going to try to break it down into small releases. We're going to try to continue to ideate, or, or it could even be shorter. Don't get me wrong. It could even be a few months or whatever. But, and and that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about continuous delivery and trying to take these large product strokes uh, like like what you often have whenever you're thinking of story mapping uh, 
although there is a place for it in, in a continuous delivery world, we're trying to position ourselves so that we could do something different. We're trying to position ourselves so that we can deliver much, much smaller pieces where we could learn a lot from that delivery as we go on. You know, each new release should help us learn something new about the way our customers interact. And it's no longer a straight path, but instead it's a learning path. Like, like it's interesting listening to the three of you, but I think in a way you guys all correct, at least from, from my perspective. And I agree with, with Zerar's assessment. And I also agree with Hino's assessment, but in a different way. I think in case of story map, the journey is as important as destination. And, and let's assume for a moment that all that happens that Zerar described, the team goes into this meeting, they do this story map, and they document and then throw it away. Yet, I still see the value of it. And the value of it is, is often non-tangible. But all those people who went through that process are going to have in the back of their mind that purpose, that product, that understanding of that flow. And ultimately, I think it's going to contribute to better product. Are they using the same artifact religiously? That's a different conversation. Are they taking and going back to the same artifact again and again and refining it? Not another conversation. But that initial step of creating that shared understanding of that of that mental model, I think it's an important step for product development. You know, I was being a little facetious with my description, but I wasn't I wasn't actually being entirely inaccurate there. I mean, because I have seen, um, you know, some sessions go that way. Exactly. So if, if you think of the, the good old cone of uncertainty, where at the start of an initiative, you may have a lot of things that are unknown. I think story mapping serves as a good tool to identify a lot of the dependencies that you might have, some of the underlying risks that might exist on the project. If you take a customer flow to the story map, and that's where I think the story mapping kind of falls apart, because as soon as you think of different variations of a customer flow, it becomes really hard to represent that on story maps nicely. Um, but you, you can create personas and you can get around that through some other you know techniques. But generally speaking, I think it's a good way to kind of go deeper into the cone of uncertainty, identify some of the some of the things that people are thinking that everybody else may not have be, be aware of. Uh, if you're in a big company, you might you might understand a lot about your dependencies. And once that all that is done, to me, that's value statement number one. I think value statement number two could be. It may help you if you are doing your customer perspective correctly. It may help you identify what your initial release might be, what your first iteration might be going out. I, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever necessarily seen it work where this is release one, this is release two, this is release three. As cheesy said, that is sort of like it, it's kind of you know big big chunk thinking, which we want to generally discourage. But it does maybe give you all the things that don't necessarily have to be in scope for your first release. So that's 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 a pretty big positive. And just one more comment on this. I like I like story mapping the concept of story mapping applied to a smaller feature. I think then it becomes very valuable when when instead of thinking about this is the big product we are building, instead you apply it to a smaller subset of that product, maybe the login flow or the shopping cart feature. I think there, because you're talking in more specifics, you're talking in more details, things become real and tangible and you can actually do some real prioritization. But if you do it at like a big product level, it just becomes too fuzzy for me. 
Yeah. So if, if I may for a second, I think that you, you brought up something, something really important. And that is the technique on one hand and to the granularity that you apply it to. And I 100% agree. If we do it at a, like Cheesy was referring to a, a six month project, th- that that is completely orthogonal to continuous delivery. I'm 100% agreeing with that. Right. And that's, that's not where the value is, except for, of course, when you, uh, as a team, have a difficulty in seeing how to incrementally deliver some value. But then the real value, and I totally, totally agree with that, is how can we now break that up into even smaller pieces? How can we look at something that is end-to-end that is as skinny as we possibly can make it? And that doesn't need to be represented as individual slices in your story map, but the same technique really does apply. How do we, you uh, you referred a couple of times, and uh, not necessarily on this podcast there are, to uh, the hamburger method, I see this as a version of story mapping at a, at a much uh, more granular level, at a, at a much finer, uh, yeah, smaller scale, if you will. Um, and, and that technique is still incredibly valuable because you, you provide that uh, opportunity for people to see an end-to-end uh, flow capability uh, build up of small individual pieces. And I think when you apply it that way, that is definitely not orthogonal uh, or contradictory to continuous delivery. Uh, I think they're complementary. They're not necessarily uh, not not the same at all. You don't need story mapping for doing continuous delivery, but it definitely doesn't block you from doing continuous delivery either. For me, it's still a communication tool in the first place. I think that if, if the goal is to try to ideate or the goal is to try to build alignment, there might be better tools than story mapping in a continuous delivery world. Uh, things like, uh, t- to circle back to what Zarar was saying, how sometimes things fall apart whenever you start talking about the different scenarios. Well, we have things like example mapping that might work well in that space. Uh, I've, I've seen folks put together something that's that's similar to story mapping, but where instead of starting with you know high level features or store or or whatever it might be, as, as we were talking about here, they might start with an outcome that they hope to achieve, and then you start to ideate around what are the different ways that you could start that you could achieve that uh, that outcome. In which case, you might end up with several columns, each one representing a different approach, and then you start to try to drive it down into what would that look like, and and you can formulate it from that perspective. So I, I don't know that there's a formal name for that. There, you guys might think of one. I, I don't impact know, mapping. But, uh, yeah. Is that, okay. There you go. There you go. Thank you. So I I, I find the, these these approaches much more congruent with the idea of learning the idea of you know experimenting and learning rapidly as we go through delivering the software as opposed to trying to design something up front so are we not are we not splitting hairs here and are we not um not talking about the name or or the the, the concept of story mapping the way that we we build releases versus the technique that is used in a variety of places. I almost feel cheesy that what you're referring to right now is the technique of story mapping. And if you abstract that for a second, applied in, in on impact on outcomes, which I totally 100% agree with. Uh, that you you look at what are the multiple ways to uh, implement a, cer- a certain outcome and actually mapping it that way. Okay, you could look at this as three parallel slices 
on your on your story map that you want to explore i i find that definitely very valuable right don't don't get me wrong uh i'm i'm just saying that uh that the techniques that we have from story mapping can be applied in that context as well and would provide value to the conversation. The valuable part about story mapping has always been, for me, is this idea of building the skeletal structure, right? Bring, bring, building the bare bones of the product uh, that that you absolutely need to do to get something out the door. And as long as that principle is 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 true and people are have that mentality in mind when they are doing story mapping or impact mapping or you know whatever mapping i think you'll have some success with it but as soon as you use that tool as to elicit all the requirements you will ever need and all the stories you will ever need things are not going to not going to go uh, well for you and what's lately happened and i've seen you know it, it's been jeerized you know, is, is, there, is there a verb, jirized, jiracized? There is one now. Jiracized. So now you have these story mapping plugins available in Jira. And of course, those are just the worst thing in the world. And now you have people not even ideating, but just making the stories look pretty on a, on a visual board in Jira. Now we have like gone a complete 180 from the concept, com- complete unagile, you know, we we injected the processes and tools right into a concept, which is all about ideation and brainstorming. So maybe step one of of story ma- mapping two by now is to delete your user story plugin from Jira. So uh, I, I was about to ask actually the, the question about uh, good practices about doing a story map, but before I go there, I just I just wanted to react something what what uh, you know said about um, about how how we whatever we call it. I think I think one thing that that maybe cheese this is what you were alluding to the story map confines us to software and 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 when we when we think about story maps is 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 almost like we box ourselves into thinking about software when we think about outcomes or impacts there is a, there's a much wider opportunity to 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 apply right so for example how can you increase the number of customers where well, you can be standing on the corner of 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 a major intersection and giving out flyers which has nothing to do with 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 software but in the moment when you do a story map, then you will think only only in case of software. So so that's what I, I think that's a that's a very critical point. I, even though we are continuous delivery here, and we talk about software, but we shouldn't. But we should acknowledge the fact that there is more more developing a product than just building software. So 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 speaking of so uh, coming back now to to my question again is, what would be some do's and don'ts about story mapping since, since we since that's a topic of our conversation today well for me a, a big one is um when you're trying to get the the skeleton or the, the the process flow if you will the steps if you will uh of your story map straight so the thing basically that guides your uh, your conversation right the, uh the, the slots um I think you need to make a distinction between or or you need to separate it from the implementation that you have in mind. So um, uh, oftentimes uh, people, when they're building story maps, they, they think of uh, the flow that is implemented in the UI, if, if, it's, if there's a UI component, and they, every single screen is seen as a process step. That to me is a no-go. 
because you're suddenly building your solution into your representation and your conversation tool. That's not the intent. So those need to be logical steps that even if you implement it in an entirely different way, would still make sense. That is the way that the user interacts. That is the way that that work flows through the system that you're building. Uh, That's what needs to represent it, not a choice of doing it in a certain uh, way with screens and a, and a flow. So that to me is a, is a big no. You know, story mapping to me is, is a tool. And just like any tool, as, as we've discussed here, it can be abused. It can be done successfully or not. Uh, so a big no-no for me when it comes to story mapping or, or when it comes to any sort of trying to plan or to create a backlog or whatever your goal might be is don't plan too far and out. You know, your your time horizon should be measured in days, not months, and, and not weeks or months. You know, so if we're looking at small time horizons in order to get fast feedback loops from our users, uh, whatever tool you find valuable to you to help you work with the team to ideate, to come up with the ideas, to ultimately understand what it is we need to do then great. And if story mapping is that tool and you do it in that fashion, then it, it probably is a good I- good idea. But don't plan too much. Yeah, I think if, if I had to give one, which, which Hino and uh, Cheesy haven't already covered, uh, is I'd say, you know, as soon as the work starts uh, and people start, you know, hacking away and, and start developing features, we often lose sight of the customer. Uh, we actually, we, we, we start... We start talking in terms of how much of our backlog is done, not necessarily how much value we have delivered. And it's, it's, a, it's an age-old problem, right? But story mapping is a good, uh, a good tool which forces you, if done right, to take a customer-centric view. It has these very underused ideas like personas, which you know most people never even touch when doing the story mapping. I think if we, if we, if, if, if as a facilitator, you're facilitating a story mapping session, I would definitely start with who your customer is, who the actual user of the software is, uh, and start formulating a language and nomenclature which speaks from their perspective at all times in the map. And I think if you start off with that, then if you also then tease out user stories based on those and, and you do a good job of that, then you, the language that you are using w- w- when talking about your customers will be the same language that you will use while developing. So I, I'd say look at it from a customer perspective, use personas, and stay consistent with the language because I think language matters. Developers will take language idea, language concepts from one project they worked on and apply it to the other as, as because their memory kicks in. But story mapping can actually unlearn some of that and kind of gravitate the developer to their new context so that the right language is used in code and documentation and user stories and, and so on. Yeah, th- thank you, uh, Zara, for mentioning that because that uh, often happens if, if that language is not developed, that, the, that, that various parts in the application is many, many things called differently, which, which really ter- deteriorates maintainability. Uh, one thing I I would add to to what you described, uh, what you guys described is, and, and, and Cheese's point about picking the next uh, piece. I would think that that when when you do your story map, try to think about 
one scenario, at least one scenario that, that you can go almost end to end or or fairly end to end in your in your story map and try to focus on that on that single scenario because the sooner you get to this 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 end-to-end slice, the faster you can truly get customer feedback. And and uh, try to stay as thin as possible in that in that in, the, in that thinking, and as as few things as possible. But if you could get there, the story mapping usually is, is a helpful tool. I got one small thing that might actually help with that, and Cheesy referred to it in saying, "Don't plan out too far." And I 100% agree with that. But especially not your stories. Don't plan those out too far. What you can plan a little bit farther ahead is, or especially those ideas is, what do my end-to-end slices look like? Do I have an idea of what capability I'm providing next? Do I have an idea of what I need to go and investigate later on? If you have uh, one or two weeks worth of slices, that might be a valuable thing to have in your backlog. And then your backlog become your end-to-end slices, not your stories. And I guess this concludes today's continuous delivery podcast. Thank you. <laughs>